0: Hey, what's up, folks? This is the Quick Six for this Monday, October the 7th, 2019. I'm Jason Martin, host of The Big Six, the Jason Martin Show, Squared Circle Radio, all sorts of other things because I'm blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. You can find me on Twitter at jmartzone. We do this show because with all the many Titans radio shows that you hear during the week, and all of them are so good. Uh, You don't get to hear from me until around the middle of the week, and I don't get to comment on football as fast as I would otherwise. So I wanted to do that. And the Quick 6, by its name, says, well, we get through this relatively quickly, but the first couple of weeks we've gone almost 45 minutes, both shows. I think we're going to be quite a bit smaller than that this week. Um, There's a little bit of a serious situation in our family um, right now. We could definitely use your thoughts and prayers as we lost someone very, very important to our family, and so we have been kind of in the process of mourning over the past day or so since getting that news and Then just last night, we were also out of town, enjoying a, a wonderful evening of music, uh, even despite all the what we were going through so <clears throat> i'm going to be reacting to the scores and things that have happened, but it was a busy weekend, certainly in college in the n f l like it always is. Some interesting results in the NFL. The only thing I really want to say about college this week, you had Alabama and Clemson both on by. Ohio State looked good against Michigan State. They look excellent right now. They still have not been challenged to the degree that makes me think, oh, let's just hand them the national championship, as some have done. Uh, I don't think they will end up being that team, but they are – Certainly a threat to be that team. Oklahoma also hasn't played anybody with all due respect to West Virginia. This is not one of West Virginia's better teams. Explains maybe why Dana Holgerson left when he did. And there were some other decent performances. Joe Burrow continues to do Joe Burrow things. This bringing in the Saints passing game coordinator from last year has just totally revamped that offense. Burrow with six more touchdowns. Ian Book had himself a day. Uh, five touchdowns, only played one half, only had two incompletions. That was an incredible performance. Now it was bowling green, so take that for what it's worth. But let's talk a bit about Tennessee and Georgia because Tennessee proved they could play with Georgia early, but the problem came in in the last four minutes or so of the first half when Brent Simaglia, who had been perfect to that point, missed a field goal that would have brought that lead down to three. And then I tweeted out from at J. Mart's that the last fifty-nine seconds, Tennessee needed to be really careful because it could break their back if they weren't. And it's not that they weren't careful, it's that Georgia seized that moment and scored a touchdown before the half and made it a twenty six to fourteen score. They missed the two point conversion, but it felt like the air had just kind of seeped right out of Neyland Stadium where there were still over 92,000 people, even though a lot of them happened to be wearing black and red as well as the orange and white. And then in the second half, it was just all Georgia. They end up winning at 43-14. to 14. If you want to see some silver linings, Brian Maurer looked pretty good considering as a freshman called into action in a very tough spot. I told Joey Kent on Saturday on the Tennessee Tailgate Show, I would not have started Maurer until Mississippi State. Because I don't want to destroy his confidence against the best foe Tennessee has seen to this point in the season, the third best team in the country, number three rated, Georgia, who could beat you in so many ways and was so big. And We saw what happened to Nathan Peterman when he was called into action in Gainesville. You don't want to hurt a a freshman in a situation where you're not expecting to win the game anyway. That said, they put him in. He looked poised early, made the big throw to Callaway, the 73-yarder, which is the longest Uh, pass play. Tennessee has run for a touchdown since I think it's 2015. This was an opportunity to just feel a little bit better about yourself. A win was going to be incredibly tough to pull off although in that first half Georgia was not pulling away from them. They didn't look demonstrably better than them. Tennessee was playing very just possessed adamant football. Jennings was out there Making plays. Callaway was making plays. Those two guys in particular really stood out. The run game wasn't anything particularly special again. And Maurer looked okay. And the defense was, they knew what they were going to have to stop coming into the game. If you're going to pick your poison when it comes to Georgia, you want to make Jake Fromm beat you. You don't want to let DeAndre Swift and any of that rushing attack begin to just boa constrict you right out of a football game. And that's sort of what you would see more often in the second half. But Fromm is certainly capable of beating you. He just hasn't been asked to do so very often to this point in the season. So I think as you look at everything that's going on there, Georgia was exactly who you thought they would be, one of the best teams in the country, still a threat to be a national champion. And then Tennessee, this is where they are now, folks. They're a one-win football team where moral victories is what you're looking at. I said on Friday, on the Big Six, that I do not believe Jeremy Pruitt was a good hire, but I am willing to continue to watch to see if evidence can overturn that. I do think he should get a third year, because you just can't keep firing people too quickly. Now, you can't let them tread water for too long either, which we'll get to when we get to our NFL topics here in just a second. But Jeremy Pruitt needs a third year to see another strong recruiting class. And if there's progress next year, then you can kind of look at it. Now, if there's no progress and everything looks still the same, still as discombobulated as it does right now, next year should be his last. But I think you have to give him the third season because you just can't become a turnstile program. Four bad hires in a year, if that's what it turns out to be, okay. But until you find the guy... Eventually, you have to keep cutting bait, but you can't do it too quickly. We saw what that meant for the Cleveland Browns for years and years and years, and other franchises in the NFL as well. At least give him a chance. Figure out what you have. Why did you hire him in the first place? You have to at least give him the time to show some of those things. I am on record as of weeks ago, but certainly today, if you have not heard me before or have not heard this statement before, Jeremy Pruitt will not last in Tennessee. He's a defensive coordinator who is not equipped to be a head coach at a major Southeastern Conference football school. I don't think Derek Mason is either. I think you have two defensive coordinators who are posing as head coaches. And someone mentioned to me, because of the way I described this, I said, look, it's not like every politician is going to be the president of the United States. Some of them are just meant to be really good mayors. Not everybody can even be a senator. Eventually, you find the level that you're supposed to be at, and if you go higher than that, it's not generally going to work out in your favor or in a favor of your company or your constituency or whatever. And so I said, well, that's called the Peter Principle. And so credit to those that mentioned that to me on Twitter and let me know. What that was, and I had heard it before, and the Peter Principle, according to Investopedia, is it's an observation that the tendency in most organizational hierarchies, such as that of a corporation, is for every employee to rise in the hierarchy through promotion until they reach a level of respective incompetence. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying necessarily, incompetence is a strong word. They know what they have to do I just don't think they have the capability to do it. So I'm not going to say they're incompetent. But I'm going to say both of them are defensive coordinators. And both of them looked bad at times on Saturday. And both of them have looked bad for an extended length of time as well. Vanderbilt, that was dreadful. You can't give up 400-some yards rushing to anybody, particularly Ole Miss. Just absolutely awful. The other problem I I would say, especially for Tennessee, is Jeremy Pruitt, as a defensive coordinator, his defense is terrible. And his back end, in particular, which is where he is, that's where he's he's buttered his bread throughout much of his career. It's awful. Absolutely awful. That is a problem. But I think it shows when he specializes where he's good, he can be good, but he's being stretched so far around to do things he's not really capable of doing, and so it's leaving you in a problem. So it sounds like I'm saying you should let him go now. I'm saying it's not going to work, but you need to give him a third year to prove that beyond a shadow of a doubt. And, like I said, never any problem being wrong when I have a critical take on someone. All I can do is observe what I've seen. Speaking of what I've seen, let's talk about the NFL weekend. Titans lose to the Bills, same as it ever was. Last year, they go to Buffalo after the big win in Philadelphia. And what do they do? They get beat by Josh Allen. Then they come back, get absolutely decimated by the Ravens. And then they go to London and lose that close one to the Chargers. This year, they beat the Falcons, who when you look at quarterback hierarchy and level, that was the best quarterback they've seen this year. And Matt Ryan, a top 10 player, they played their best game against him. And against them. Now, Ryan had you know 400-some yards, but no touchdowns. And Trufant was victimized by A.J. Brown. And Mariota looked very good. So here comes Buffalo. Josh Allen has not practiced much of the week. He clears concussion protocol the day before the game and goes into action. And it's not like he was fantastic, but he was good enough. He threw two touchdowns. There was some officiating that you might not like. But I'm not going to point to the officiating by itself. Mariota was fine. It was more of a game, man- game manager stat line. He still holds on to the ball too long. There were a few plays, especially one where he was running to the right sidelines, and he just kept on holding on to the ball instead of throwing it away, and he took a shot he didn't need to take. He does that all the time. He got sacked again five times. It was not quite as bad as the Ravens was last year, but it was still pretty daggone bad. We knew the Bills were good. They have probably the second best defense in the league if you look at it from a yardage standpoint. In fact, they do statistically. They have an elite level defense and a great pass rush. And the Titans offensive line folded like a cheap suit. They folded like an accordion. They folded like the back cover of Mad Magazine. This was real bad stuff. Jack Conklin, this is why you didn't pay him. This is why you won't pay him. This is why he'll be in another uniform probably sooner rather than later. Taylor Lewan comes back from a four-game suspension, proceeds to get a couple of holding penalties, get beaten a couple of times. He did create some space for Derrick Henry on the left side a few times as well. Hopefully there's just a little bit of rust there, and your high-paid left tackle is going to show up and do what he's supposed to do. But he was part of an offensive line that was beaten and battered and just overwhelmed throughout this game. Corey Davis continues to confound me. He's the number five pick in the draft. They're barely looking at him. He made a couple of plays. It's not enough. Delaney Walker, after the 28-yarder, I think it was, was called back on that LaJuan hold on the first play of the game. We barely even called his number except for Spiro Didis and Adam Archuleta on the CBS broadcast to say, man, they haven't used Delaney Walker today. Derrick Henry had 20 carries. Deion Lewis was out there a couple of times when I disagreed with it. The one guy that you look at right now, and they're starting to use Adam Humphreys a little more, even though I don't know what's going on in the punt game, but yet again, it's like as soon as you get to Tennessee, you can't do this anymore because Humphreys doesn't look anywhere near as comfortable doing it as he did last year, although I still think he's your best option right now. A.J. Brown is the, the lone bright spot offensively right now for this team. He's still making plays. Now, yesterday, he only had a couple of catches. But every time you see that guy, he just looks like something special. When ESPN released their list of the top 10 most impactful rookies this season, it came out last week. Not even in the honorable mention five that came after the starting 10 was A.J. Brown mentioned, which baffled me because I thought he should have been, especially coming off the game because this list was put together after the Falcons game. And some of the guys that were mentioned did not have stats that jumped off the page to you. There are some rookies that have had tremendous years that have been better than A.J., but A.J. Brown, at this standpoint, even though maybe he's not the need that you had at that point in time where some other holes maybe you could have filled, I still think you probably did the right thing, and A.J. Brown is paying dividends, and I think right now today he's the best receiver on this team. I know Corey Davis's skill set, he has a higher ceiling, I'm tired of waiting for that ceiling to emerge. And I don't know how much of it is Mariota not being able to find him, him not being able to get separation down the field. I know yesterday, Mariota didn't have a whole lot of time to throw because he had defenders in his face all day and guys coming after him. That much I understand. The offensive line has to help you out. But Corey Davis needs to be more of a safety valve, and he just is not there consistently at all and has not been throughout his career. So the Titans lose. And this is a big one because, and I've pointed this out in the past, the Bills look like a playoff team at 4-1, and one, right? They're not some juggernaut, but they look like a playoff team and their record would indicate it. They happen to play in the same division with the New England Patriots. The Patriots are going to win that division yet again, right? They've already beaten the Bills once. So the Bills are going to be getting a wild card spot, if anything. The way the division stacks up in the AFC South... Whoever wins it's going to win it by not very much. I had the Titans winning the division in my preseason predictions at 8-8 and because of other factors, because I had another team in the division going 8-8 and as well. If you are in that scenario where you are having to compete for a wild card, beating teams along the way that you might be dealing with as competitors for those same two wild card spots, it's crucial. That's why I thought it was good that you beat the Browns Because they might be in that mix. That's why I still thought that you absolutely needed to beat the Bills, not just to get the W in your column, but because the Bills now hold a tiebreaker over you later on, which means you might only have one wildcard spot with which to go for, and you've still got the AFC West out there to deal with, where you expect two teams are probably still going to find their way out of that division, if not there. The North looks better and better. And the South is so tightly there. And because of your division record right now, the wild card's going to be your best shot, I think. And the Bills loss, just like it was last year. I think it's very possible we're now going to point to this particular game just as we did a season ago and say that's why this team didn't make the playoffs. And again, Mariota just looks like a guy who is who he is which is something that we've said before. He's just Marcus Mari. Mariota. Oh, like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, that's who he is. He's decent, and that's basically it. Rest of the results. Cardinals beat the Bengals. Finally, a rookie coach wins. It's Cliff Kingsbury, 26-23. Dalton tried to come back in the fourth quarter, could not do it. The rookie head coaches were 0-15-1 entering yesterday. We knew someone was going to get a win in this one because it was Kingsbury versus Zach Taylor. It goes the way of Kyler Murray's club as Arizona goes to 1-3-1, and one, which is just amazing in its own right. Then the Bengals winless at 0-5. Bears Raiders. Raiders. In the game where Khalil Mack is playing against his old team, they beat Chicago 24-21. to 21. Chicago has an unbelievable defense, and they have... Nothing at quarterback. Robert Mays of the Ringer, who's a huge Chicago Bears fan, said if they had a top 15 quarterback, they'd probably be in the Super Bowl, but they don't. Meaning you could pluck guys off of other teams, bring them there, just mediocre guys, and they'd get it done. But they don't have that. And then you look at Josh Jacobs, the rookie out of Alabama. Not surprised by this at all. He is a stud. And he scored twice behind that Raiders offensive line. And they get a big win. And the Raiders are 3-2. and two. And with all of what has followed that team, that's pretty impressive, quite frankly. I am surprised. Saints get by the Bucks, 31-24 in a pretty close game in New Orleans. I said on Friday this might be one of the better games of the weekend because Tampa Bay just kind of softly put up 50-some points on the Rams and have looked very good. And Winston had only turned the ball over one time since week one. But this was going to be a tall order to go to New Orleans and win, even with Teddy Bridgewater there. Michael Thomas scores twice. They get the win. The Saints are four and one. They're going to win that division. I had thought Atlanta was going to do it. I no longer believe that to be the case. And the Bucks fall to two and three, but they're a good two and three team, quite frankly. Their defense is way better than we thought. Shaq Barrett, one of the best rookie months we have ever seen in this league. Just incredible stuff from him. Vikings-Giants, Minnesota got right in New York against Daniel Jones. Thielen had a big day. He had a couple of touchdowns. Kirk Cousins needed to shut some people up so that he was not the topic of conversation, so he wins. And I predicted that he would on the Jason Martin Show yesterday on Fox Sports Radio because this isn't a game that really matters that much in terms of the pressure wasn't really on Kirk Cousins except that he needed to win it. This was not against a 500-team. Uh, well, I mean, they were 2-2, two and two, but nobody saw the Giants as any kind of real threat. So what was the pressure, really? This is the one where Kirk Cousins goes out, plays well, stops people from talking about him, and then he shows up against the next half-decent team and does precisely nothing. There's still a lot of problems there with Diggs, with Thielen not being happy, with Cousins certainly not being happy, and with Mike Zimmer. I'm not sure that much of his offense actually wants to play for him, and I don't think that they have that much respect for him right now either Vikings are three and two I have them picked to win the division but I don't feel that great about it although I think they will be five and three before they lose three of four in a really tough stretch later on this season Eagles 31 Jets six not much to say there the Jets and their backup situations that's not a good football team they don't have a ton of weapons Adam Gates doesn't have much to work with they're winless the Eagles were one of the better teams at two and two without question. They continued to look good. Their defense was outstanding. 10 sacks in this game and responsible for two touchdowns as well. Wentz looks very good, looks very comfortable. This Eagles team is going to be a threat all the way to the end and could represent the NFC in the Super Bowl if things break right for them. 31 to six, they're three and two. Ravens get by the Steelers in Pittsburgh, picked that one as well. There was a big fumble by Juju Smith-Schuster that led to a game-winning field goal late in overtime. Lamar Jackson showed some of the things that you like, and Pittsburgh was there. I mean, Mason Rudolph didn't play that badly either, and of course, you don't get that fumble. Maybe we're talking about something else, but the Steelers are 1-4, and and they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs yet again. This time, Roethlisberger not there, but also no Antonio Brown, no Le'Veon Bell. We haven't seen that much impressive stuff from Connor. And Juju's sort of, well, at times he looks like a one. At times he looks more like a two. And so the Ravens at three and two, looking decent. Lost to the Browns last week. Lamar Jackson is still making plays, throwing the football. And like I said, I'm still waiting to see how long this lasts or whether or not this is actually going to sustain for a long, long time. And it might. Right now, three and two looks pretty decent. Patriots beat the Redskins 33-7, to and Jay Gruden got fired. I predicted on the Jason Martin Show yesterday this would be the last game that he coached. It indeed was. I can't believe that Jay Gruden was actually the head coach of the Washington Redskins for six years. It did not feel that long. And it was miserable throughout much of it. He won nine games one time. He had one kind of decently hurrah year. He had two seven and nine years. He had a four and 12 year. He was winless this year. Even though it started well, the Redskins actually had a lead on the Patriots at one point. Then the Patriots were the Patriots and won. Three touchdowns from Tom Brady. They're undefeated. It's Patriots, Chiefs, and everybody else. Although, we'll talk about the Chiefs here in a second. Redskins need a lot of help. They need a coach that knows what he's doing. They need Daniel Snyder to stop meddling. There's just so much stuff that you talk about as it relates to this. And then you've got that Dwayne Haskins deal where Gruden didn't want him. And he wasn't ready. And, ugh. It's it's bad. I feel bad for Dwayne Haskins, honestly, because I don't know how that's going to play out. Jaguars-Panthers, good football game. Three touchdowns from Christian McCaffrey. Minshew played well, but the Panthers get the job done. Jags fall to 2-3. and three. Panthers go to 3-2. and two. Kyle Allen wins again. This team with a healthy quarterback because they have a good defense and they have Christian McCaffrey. The Panthers are a dangerous team. They're a team that can win that division if things break right now the loss to tampa bay on thursday night football could doom them later it could be one of the things that they look back on but the panthers are certainly a good enough team to make the wild card what's going to be interesting is what happens when cam newton win and if cam newton feels ready to actually come back and contribute without the ankle problems without the things that have hampered him to this point in the season Texans 53 to 32 fuller with over 200 yards receiving Watson has a just absolutely bonkers day out there just five incompletions 426 yards and 98.2 QBR and five touchdowns and again Matt Ryan who gives you a three touchdown performance and throws for over 300 yards loses badly in this game and the Falcons are one and four I think Dan Quinn needs to be let go midseason season. I don't know why he came back this year, quite frankly. I don't think he's a very good head coach. I don't like much of what I see on the sidelines in Atlanta. They've got way too much talent to be this way. Julio Jones, Sanu, Hooper at tight end, Ridley, of course, Freeman, who things just don't look right right now at all. He had a touchdown receiving, but only 11 carries for 30 yards in this game. But a great day for Houston. They're 3-2. and The Falcons are pretty much done, it looks like, for this season. So I got that prediction dead wrong about them winning that division. And this is the Deshaun Watson that you, when he's on, it's real tough to deal with. He did not get sacked yesterday either. So credit both to his offensive line and the ineptitude of the Atlanta defensive line. Chargers lose to my Denver Broncos 20 to. 13. Broncos with their first win of the season, so Fangio gets a win. Chargers just haven't looked right this year. Their defense is struggling. Derwin James going down when he did has really hurt them badly. But a 2-3 and three Chargers team is really intriguing because it sure felt like Chiefs and Chargers, that whoever didn't win the division, and it was going to be the Chargers, were really, really likely to be a wildcard team and maybe they still are they don't look good right now and there are other teams that have wildcard aspirations that look better i think the bills look like a more cohesive team but you're still looking well how much do you believe in josh allen well josh allen has taken some good steps and he's not making nearly as many mistakes as of late as he was sort of doomed for last year so this will be intriguing it's still really early we're only five games into the season And two and three is certainly not a death knell. But that's a big loss at home for the Chargers to lose to a bad Denver Broncos team. Also losing a big game at home, the Dallas Cowboys in the game of the week on Fox. And this was the Aaron Jones show. Four touchdowns rushing for Green Bay. They went at 34-24 to on a day where Aaron Rodgers versus Dak Prescott. Dak threw three picks to two touchdowns. But 463 yards, 226 to Amari Cooper in a touchdown in that game. But Aaron Rodgers, no touchdowns, no interceptions, just 238 yards passing. But Aaron Jones, 19 carries for 107 yards and four touchdowns. That's your ball game. You win however you need to win. It was not a banner day for either quarterback in that game, although Prescott tried. But Elliott, again, 12 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown. That's just not enough from Zeke not with what you're paying him and what he believes himself to be and what we all think he is. He had two catches for 29 yards and 12 carries for 62. The Packer defense played pretty well in this football game, 2 of 8 on third down for Dallas, 3 of 12, though, for the Packers. So really there were probably more points scored here than you would expect. Cowboys 563 total yards to 335 in this football game. But they committed eleven penalties that cost them 124 yards. And because of the rush attack being successful, the Packers controlled thirty-six forty-three of the clock. I think that says a lot. And then last night, on Sunday night football, Colts beat Kansas City on the road. And Patrick Mahomes just does not have a very good day. Nineteen to thirteen. Four sacks of Patrick Mahomes, one of them which left him limping, just a fifty-eight QBR. One touchdown, no interceptions. Jacoby Brissett didn't throw a touchdown. He threw one pick, but he was not sacked. 151 yards on his day. That's kind of what you're going to expect from him against good football teams, even though Kansas City's defense is certainly not their calling card. But you look at some of the totals here in this game. Hilton only had 37 yards on five targets yesterday. Hines, 46 yards on five targets It was not that kind of day. It was, however, all about Marlon Mack and his 29 carries for 132 yards, even though he didn't get into the end zone and Brissett did as a running back, as a run, or getting into the deal that way on six carries, nine yards. Marlon Mack controlled this thing. Kansas City only rushed for 36 yards in the entire game on 14 carries. So this rematch of a playoff game from last year did not go the same way. And then you look at the receiving totals, Hardman 79, Kelsey 70, yeah, but Pringle actually was the leading receiver for the Chiefs at 6 for 103 and a touchdown. Not a great night, but you're going to have these. Chiefs are 4-1. They're still one of the two best teams in the AFC. I still have them in the Super Bowl playing against the Dallas Cowboys. We'll see about Dallas. They've lost a couple in a row, but they've lost a couple in a row to probably two playoff teams based on at least records and what we've seen to this extent. Mahomes having that kind of day, I think is more a product of Indianapolis's defense and how nasty they can be up front with Leonard and those guys. It can, get, it can get treacherous. If you can get to Mahomes and sack him, make him feel it a little bit, that's bad. He threw an incompletion later on in the game after he had gotten hit a couple of times. He came up limping because he got hit on that play too. So the Chiefs get their first loss, 1913 Colts get the job done. Tonight on Monday Night Football, well, that one's still you know out there as we kind of begin this week. But we're 5 games through the season and we still have to kind of sit and determine all of what is to happen across this league. It's Browns Niners tonight. That's a really appetizing matchup. Mayfield versus Jimmy G. Browns have they gotten it right? some glitz on that side and then the Niners are undefeated but how impressive have they been as they've been undefeated they've been impressive but they've beaten Tampa Bay in the first week of the season they beat winless Cincinnati and they beat one win Pittsburgh by four at home tonight's a big night for both of those two football teams to kind of see where we are in Cleveland and where we are in San Francisco All right, Big 6 blog, 104.5thezone.com slash Big 6 blog. I was able to get a Big 6 takeaways after the Vols-Dogs game on Saturday and after Titans-Bills on Sunday. Wrote on Joker last week. Pop 6, Brad Willis and I talked about Joker in depth with tons of spoilers, theories, thoughts, and just the conflicting nature of how you feel when you walk out of a movie like that. You can subscribe to the Pop 6 Subscribe to the big six, the pop six and the quick six through your podcast catcher of choice. You can get them all. Same thing with squared circle radio. One final thought. That was Brandon Hagney's last edition of squared circle radio. Uh, as it stands now, because he is moving to New Mexico because his beautiful, talented wife got a job across the country. And it's kind of even hard for me to say it because he's such a close friend and it's going to not be cool having him nearby, but going to be good things for his family. We're going to try and include him via Skype. We're talking about ways in which Squared Circle Radio can kind of do things a bit differently than we have done in the past handful of months, but he still wants to be a part of the show, and we're going to figure a way through this, but the way Squared Circle Radio, if you've been listening to the show for the last five and a half years since we started doing it, uh, the way that you have consumed it, probably not how you're going to be consuming it all that much later it may actually enable us to do some more instant reaction stuff if we use technology across the country we can talk after events and do things maybe more akin to what we're doing right here with the quick six and get together for lengthier shows when necessary but not necessarily feel like we have to be on a weekly timetable at least on this one day we can kind of do things based on events we can talk after aew if something happens or whatever so there's a there's a lot of things going but my thanks to Brandon Hagney my my great friend maybe the best thing's happened in that building is somehow finding a way to get he David Reed and me in the same room at the same time didn't know what it was going to turn into but it's turned into a lifelong friendship those two guys were groomsmen at my wedding 2 weeks ago and it wouldn't have been the same without them there in that role I don't think I would have been standing there without their support and encouragement over this last year and a half and two years, going through this process, and even listening to me years past that, when they had somebody and and that person hadn't walked into my life yet, just telling me, yeah, she'll get there, and when she does, she'll be worthy, and you'll be ready. And what turned out to happen was, every bit of that proved true. And as I've said before, had I known that I was gonna have to wait, it would've hurt, but I would've waited 400 years not just 40 if I knew that it was gonna be Abby at the end when I got to the finish line that it was gonna be her because that is as perfect design as perfect design gets God outdid himself when he created her it's been a wonderful start to our marriage even though the death in the family right now it's sort of a, a time where we are just kind of holding each other up and getting through a difficult moment because unfortunately death is certainly a part of life. I wish I had gotten to know this individual better, but the stories that I've heard and the few times that I was able to spend any time around him, I know how special he was and I can see and hear so much of my wife in the stories of how he conducted himself throughout his life and he will certainly be missed. So keep us in your thoughts and your prayers over this next couple of days hope you enjoyed the quick six there will be times when it's longer times when it's shorter uh big week in college football coming up so we'll have a lot of big games to react to on next week's edition of the show i appreciate all your support you can always find me on twitter at jmartzone. you can hit me up with any thoughts you want including dms about faith-based conversations if you want to have those and as i always say It is never a prerequisite to agree with me. You guys often make me smarter than I would be otherwise. And of course, I would be nothing without you, without you guys being in my audience and caring what I have to say and do, including wanting my thoughts on football and leading my wife to say, hey, why don't you do something called the Quick Six? And that's what this show is. So this has been the Quick Six for this Monday, October the 7th, 2019. Hope you have a wonderful week. I will talk to you on Wednesday night. On the Big Six, 6 p.m. on 104.5, the zone. Until then, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless. And good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Whichever depends on when you're listening. It's a podcast. I don't want to assume anything. You know how that goes. From Nashville.